belief in the unbelievable. Um, I, I, I was assuming that that refers to the fact that if you open the Bhagavad Gita or the Srimad Bhagavatam or the Vedic literature, it describes a world that we don't often recognize uh, and tells us about so many things that, that uh, are not recognized I- anymore. Uh, and uh, the people that uh, know it, about it, uh, the academicians who study this professionally, don't believe it at all. I have uh, one academic book called Understanding Mantras. Uh, and uh, it says the, uh, the study of mantras, this is in the introduction, uh, raises a difficult problem for the, the modern uh, critical scholar. Uh, we accept the Enlightenment consensus. We don't believe in magic. Most of us do not pray. That's how it goes on. We don't believe in magic. When you say something as something or a mantra, oh, uh, that's magic. Right? So they don't. Be- uh, so this, this is the this past that that you you hear about in, in the the Mahabharata. Uh, uh, all these huge civilizations that existed in prehistoric times. Uh, wh- where did that come from? Um, oh, by the way, let me just go backtrack a little bit. When I read that, that uh, statement by this, uh, this academic, uh, we don't believe in magic, we're talking about mantras, I remembered a statement by Arthur C. Clarke, you know, the famous science fiction writer and also a scientist himself. He said, any sufficiently advanced te- technology looks like magic. <laughs> so the, the first thing that we all believe in in the West, which I consider to be something not to believe in, is something called progress. The myth of progress. We have advanced. And we tell ourselves the story. In fact, we've taken this little thing, you know, it's sort of it's, it, it, an idea that rose up, uh, you know, about the time uh, of, uh, of the Renaissance and, and things like that. People like medieval people, St. Augustine, they, they thought the world was in its senescence. It was about to die and, you know... Is almost over, and people were, in fact, predicting a lot of times. You know, it's going to end soon, and when it didn't, that <laughs> that presented something of a problem. But uh, uh, so then it came. The, you know, there was a few uh, uh, innovations uh, and inventions came about. Uh, and then now it's turned into the idea that, that, that now we're, we're progressing. And this idea of progress, you know, really that came to its own in the 19th century. And then it was used, you know, then there's evolution. Yeah, there's a whole world. You know, we started from nothing and we got everything and we do like this. This is... Uh, Progress. It becomes a, not only a view of human civilization, 
but but of the material world itself. Somewhere it, 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 there, there's some little thing. First of all, there's nothing, and then there's a little bit of something happens, some fluctuation in the wave field or something. You know, some little fluctuation. Nobody knows how it starts it. Uh, uh, I once saw a book that said, uh, you, 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 may, you may know that, that uh, uh, one of the books of the Bible goes, in the beginning was the Word, right? This had, in the beginning was the, and then there's just a blank on the page. <laughs> <laughs> that's, 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 it starts with nothing. And then we get something from nothing. Now usually it, that doesn't work. Unless, of course, you invest in certain <laughs> hedge funds. <laughs> that, the people that do that are usually called suckers, but anyway, that's another thing. But we, we, you know, it starts with nothing, and then you get something. Uh, the, the, the modern view is, in the beginning, there's just these very, very simple structures of matter. That can be entirely described in terms of numbers, because that's what we've learned, that's what science is now. To describe everything just in terms of numbers. It's very useful, and you can deal with things, but then go a little further and say, numbers is all there is. If it can't be described in terms of numbers, it's not there. Uh, and so this this starts out, and you have you know what we now call subatomic particles. You know, they sort of they get a variety there somehow or other. Uh, then they get a little complicated, and they they come together, and then you get some say, well, you have atoms. You know, for simplest one, hydrogen atom, and then those get together, and then you get different elements. And, you know, then eventually there's a carbon atom, and then that carbon atom, whoa, you get, you get your benzene rings and, and more complicated structures of matter. Uh, and then you get, you know, so you, 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 you now have atoms and molecules, and you know, big, complicated, organic molecules, and then, whoa, life. That, that's what happens. And the thing is, is that uh, this explains how we got here, and that at one particular time, when there's nothing in the world but structures of matter that get more and more complex. Uh, Now, this is a little hard itself. At one one philosophy course, they defined time as the direction of entropy. Things fall apart. Well, what about here? We're going the opposite direction, right? Things are coming. Well, we live in an anti-entropic branch system. <laughs> so anyway, so but but here things are getting more and more complicated, more and more, and so all you have is structures of matter, and these structures get more and more complicated. And then, of course, then you get little primitive living things. Then, at a certain point something else comes into view, which is not just another structure of matter, but the experience of structures of matter. 
How does that fit in? Where does it come from? And the kind of rigorous uh, materialistic uh, scientists and philosophers think that consciousness, they're talking about when you say the experience, your consciousness appears. They can't deal with it. And somehow or other like to get rid of it. So these, the, now they have this universe and this other thing and this experience of structures of matter and there you go, you know, what, what, what to do? It, it doesn't fit together. It's a whole other category of things. Uh, the other, our understanding is the experience is there from the beginning. The, the consciousness is actually there from the very beginning. Uh, and uh, anyway, they're not because because they don't they don't know how to deal with it. You know, they they really it's a, it's it's still a problem. Uh, there's different ways of shoving it under the rug. Uh, but and, and, and things that there's this kind of you know mainstream you might say. On the other hand, people are starting to understand. When I say consciousness, that means I'm not just I I I undergo experiences. I'm not just an object, but a subject. I have significance for myself. This water, this has significance for others, but other significance for itself. People have discovered fairly recently that animals are conscious. <laughs> uh, it may not be the same content as human, but they, they undergo experiences. They have significance for them. They have their own lives, you know. Uh, uh, and and uh, it's very hard for people to deal with this. Because first of all, you know, you have to start maybe treating things with <laughs> a little respect, <laughs> uh, because our idea again is is, is w- this idea of well, I first uh, heard this w- 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 women talking about men. They objectify. Women. They don't think of women as as people with their own thing. They think of just objects for my own enjoyment. Don't. This objectification, but that's basically the whole. Uh, thrust of, of of our progress to objectify not just uh, uh, this that the chickens the, the birds the, the the trees they're just objects they're just things we can do anything we want with them and then we start objectifying each other it's a, it's a shock to 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 Europeans to think of these little black guys as actually, you know, real humans. Who So, uh, we are proposing something else, and that's that consciousness is, is there from the beginning. And there's a process of knowledge. Uh, so one thing this goes against is our primary paradigm of, of the way people understand the, the theory of evolution. 
basically that life comes from matter. Srila Prabhupada's slogan uh, was that life comes from life. And then, actually, both matter and life come from life. This is the the, the teaching of of, Vedas, Bhagavad Gita, Mahabharata, uh, Bhagavad Gita is part of it, uh, Srimad Bhagavatam. This is this is the the, the, the world emanates or uh, comes from God. And Prabhupada called this a science. He had one little book called The Science of Self Realization. Uh, uh, and the word the word science uh, uh, is used to translate a very specific Sanskrit word, vijnana. The word jnana means knowledge, uh, and then vijnana, the 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 vi, the vi, the prefix uh, is a kind of in Sanskrit an all-purpose intensifier. Uh, and so, when you usually see jnana vijnana. Uh, uh, it means something that you experience directly. Jnana can mean book knowledge, but vijnana means you see it for yourself, and therefore that's what what uh, science is. So Prabhupada has made the claim that the, the, the science of self-realization. I want to have a I have a little thing here on my computer. I want to show you, read to you. Uh, when Srila Prabhupada came to America, uh, he was in Boston, and I don't know how it happened, but he, got, he was asked to lecture at MIT. Uh, and so he's recounting, at one point he said, when I lectured at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, it, was, it was a, uh, wasn't a regular course, there was a bunch of graduate students and a few professors asked. Uh, you know, those were the days that Tim Leary was fashionable, and so, you know, weird things would happen. <laughs> like people like Prabhupada come to lecture at MIT. Uh, so he said, when I lectured at MIT, I asked the students, where is the technology to study the soul? The mover of the body. When he says souls, he means the Sanskrit word atma. The self. Where is the technology to study the soul, the mover of the body? MIT, right? Science. They had no such technology. They could not answer satisfactorily because their education was simply jada vidya. You know, vidya is another word that means knowledge. The word jada, uh, senseless, stupid, foolish, <laughs> retarded, <laughs> all these some synonyms, dull, yeah, unintelligent, this is stupefying, <laughs> makes you stupid. He called it his jada vidya. Uh, And then he mentions the Isha Upanishad 
says that those who engage in the advancement of such materialistic education will go to the darkest region of existence. <coughs> Therefore, the present civilization is in a very dangerous position because there is no arrangement anywhere in the world for genuine spiritual education. In this way, human society is being pushed to the darkest region of existence. Because again, we have a typology. Here's science, here's religion. Here's faith, here's knowledge. They're two different things. Two different uh, departments. And uh, what, what Prabhupada wants to do is um, to do away with that that dichotomy. Uh, and so we have this there's science, it's based on knowledge, they have books of knowledge, religion has these things they call scripture. But uh, so th- this this kind of division you know, between sides, is actually it's it's a product of secularization, a long uh, thing where 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 uh, Max Weber, the sociolo- founder of sociology, used this term of the modern world arrives from the de-divinization of nature, or entsalberung, uh, demystification. Uh, uh, that's then we have modern things. So I can exploit them and use them any way I want. We can control. Our project is to control nature. If there's some god or gods out there <laughs> doing it, whoa, we're <laughs> some more powerful beings. Well, uh, so, uh, but but you know when Krishna spoke the Bhagavad Gita to Arjuna. He didn't say, now I'm going to speak to a scripture of the Hindu religion. <laughs> he said, I'm going to teach you knowledge. Yeah. And he said, Pratyaksha Avagamam Dhamam. It gives you Pratyaksha. Uh, the word Pratyaksha literally means right in front of the eyes. It gives you direct perception. Uh, because this is another thing, uh, people in the West generally they accept the soul or the God super soul as a kind of object of faith because you can't see it. It's not the way here in the Bhagavad Gita. I'll give you pratyaksha, direct perception. Uh, uh, and and by, by the way, when you come to you know, the, the Brahman, uh, that from which everything comes, comes. Jammadasiyataha, that from which everything comes. All, everything you see is produced by Brahman. Uh, 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 and, and, and that, that Brahman uh, is, is uh, I lost my train of thought. That, that, that Brahman is, is also, we are part of that Brahman, of that self. And that Brahman, oh, I know what I was going to say, is defined in the Upanishads as that which, being known, all other things become known. Uh, 
that's another way of of knowledge. Well, anyway. Uh, uh, so, if you you've been studying the, the Yoga Sutras, uh, uh, Vedas, they give certain uh, exercises to do uh, uh, for the preliminary things, the yama, niyama. Before you get to asana, there's some rules and regulations. These are the kind of rules and regulations that people think as moral principles. Uh, like in, in, in the Hare Krishna movement, we, who get initiated devotees, we have, uh, we don't eat meat, fish, or eggs, we don't have any illicit sex. Uh, the ideal is to have as, as little bit uh, as possible. Uh, a valid brahmacharya celibate, celibacy. We don't take any intoxications. Uh, and don't uh, gamble, waste time. Uh, people think of those as moral principles. Having to do with, well, usually morality, somewhere reward or punishment. The common idea of Christianity in the 30s, the communists used to say, you, there'll, there'll be a pie in the sky when you die. You know, you behave yourself, you do the right thing, and then God rewards you, you go to heaven. So morality has to do with heaven and hell, reward and punishment, and, and so on. So those principles are thought of as moral principles. But actually, they're principles of knowledge. Uh, they are means by which the consciousness can be uh, purified, uh, refined, and concentrated, uh, and directed so that you can actually have direct perception of things that others can't see. And it's repeatable. You get somebody who knows how to do it, they can teach you how to do it. If you want it. If you don't want it, that's another thing. You can keep shopping at Walmart or whatever. <laughs> so, so this is experience uh, 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 so So if if, 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 if if we start with this this, this kind of process of, of, of consciousness, uh, I mean, at, at least for ourselves, we, 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 uh, the idea of a mantra is something that can purify the consciousness. Again, these mantras are uh, the product of, of very advanced people. Uh, oh yeah, one thing, let's go back before I get into that. The myth of progress. According to the very old texts, not just from India, at one time there was a more advanced human civilization on, on this planet. Um, uh, we are in decline now. Uh, 
there was that time uh, where people uh, we, we now we now think of it as as uh, the, there was this cradle period of human civilization where uh, people imagined there were all these beings you know it was the cradle t- time of, of humans and there were these gods and spirits and uh, every far every forest had its little local spirits and so many gods and spirits and we were like children we didn't understand that's 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 what the uh, that's what the thinking was uh, but uh, Schiller the 19th century German poet once said observed in the days when the gods were more human that is to say you could have some inner relationship with them. Humans were more divine. <laughs> so it may be that the one reason you don't see these beings is, is they simply stay away. You know, go to Aleppo in Syria, you know, how many tourists do you see? Oh, there was, yeah, these legendary beings, these tourists used to come. <laughs> we don't see them anymore. <laughs> Must have been the fantasy time. Well, there's a reason that they may stay away. And that, that, that we've lost contact. Uh, and this is... People have noticed this happened in the West, too, you know? And the things that... There are things that we regard as signs of advancement of progress that really old people saw the opposite way. Uh, Socrates, for example, one of Plato's dialogue, complains about the invention of writing. He said, people are losing their memories because of it. (laughs) And they only know things from the external and not not in an internal way. And he thought it was really, really bad. Uh, to have writing. Now we saw, oh yeah, mankind came up, they invented writing. And in India you find the same thing. Uh, and you find out that when people were educated in India, they learned everything in their head. It was, it was all designed that you could carry volumes in your head. You know the idea of a sutra, you know the, the Vedanta Sutra. Sutra is a thread of small statements. So, well, for, first of all, let me say, it's like it starts, they would take children that are five years old, and, and children at that age, they can memorize everything, but understand almost nothing. <laughs> So they would, they would sit in school six hours a day around at the age of five or six and they would just chant sutras. Like you start with grammar because the gateway to learning was grammar, Sanskrit language. And the Sanskrit grammar, the grammarians had reduced the grammar I- into into sutras which really were little formulas for generating uh, all the elements of the grammar. Like once you learn, you learn the sutra and then you learn how to use it. 
And so nowadays Sanskrit students will memorize paradigms, but what they have was a sutra that taught you how to generate the, the, the paradigms. Uh, paradigms meaning for verbs or for nouns. Because the, by the other thing you find out, by the way, is the older languages are, the more complicated they are. They are. You know, we have an active voice and a passive voice. Sanskrit and Greek too had a middle voice. We have we have singular and plural. Sanskrit, for some reason, had dual. Just when the subject is two people or two things, <laughs> a whole set of new verbs, you know, numbers to, to memorize. Much more complicated. Uh, 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 and. And the sutras would teach you how to generate the whole language, and you just memorize them. And grammarians would would make them as condensed as possible, so you could carry the whole thing in your head. And then, after you you know memorize the the, the sutras, you, then you would start to learn how to apply them. But you wouldn't even have to open a book; you knew it all already. And it was precise. There was the other thing that was really precise. When Europeans discovered Sanskrit, it put them into a state of culture shock. Because the Europeans, you know, they they knew they were the superior race. Uh, And... uh, and, uh, you know, these little brown people in India, they were obviously not as advanced as we are. We have, we, 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 we have, we have uh, steam engines now. We have, you know, it's the 19th century, the beginning of our troubles. We, really, we, have, we have all these things, you know, these people are on, in a, a kind of backward people. And then they discovered uh, Sanskrit. Now you know the, the the English alphabet A B C D E F G. Sanskrit begins. The first letter in the Sanskrit alphabet is a. Just that the most simple sounds you can make, right? And there's the vowels a a e e u u ri You know, one after in that way where because if you say a a a e e and you notice where your mouth parts come together, you start from the front and you go back. No, that's right. Excuse me, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, excuse me, the opposite direction. And then you have some diphthongs, A-I-O-L. Then you start Then you start with the with the consonants. Begins with what we would call K and then G. Ka, ka, ga, ga. You, you say ka, you're, you're way back in the throat. Ka, ka. The difference ka and ka is the one, the first K, the vocal cords don't vibrate. Second K, they do. And then ga, ga, uh, your mouth touches, when you say ka, your, your mouth parts don't come together when you say ga, they touch. Anyway, this is, so you start the back and you go forward, ka, ka, ga, ga, and then a, 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 a nasal that goes with it, 
mm, it's hard to say. If you say sing, you can get that in. Mm, mm, you know? Cha cha, cha cha, na, ta ta, ta ta. They got two T's. You go back. Ta ta, da da, na, pa pa, ba ma, ma, with the mouth. Like this. And they're arranged in a grid according to their point of articulation. When the Europeans discovered this, blew their minds. How did these people get it? This is where the Aryan invasion theory came about. Well, there couldn't have been these local little, uh, you know, uh, must have been that some, some Europeans came in there and, <laughs> and gave them some something like that. But any, anyway, this is, this, is, this is a very advanced, very complicated, very sophisticated language, extremely precise. Why? Because they would perform these things, the, the priests, uh, we call them priests, the brahmanas. Uh, they're technicians. They, they're uh, called yajna, which is translated as sacrifice. Uh, and part of that is mantra. And it required precision for the yajna to work. If you, if you made a mistake, you may get an opposite result of what, what you were trying to do. So it was precise, and it had to be, and they, very advanced things that we recognize as science, like geometry, because they had, the altar had to be precise, astronomy, because the times had to be like an exact time, there was a culture of technique, something like, uh, and, but people think of these yajna, it's a, it's a sacrifice, some religious thing. If you, you look up these words in the, uh, Sanskrit, uh, English, Ammonia Williams Dictionary, they, they will call the, the, the uh, linguistic part science. The, but the, 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 the part of the, the yajna they define as a religious ritual performed by priests. Then you go into religion. See, it's just, they separate them out. One they can recognize as linguistic science. Because really... That's how linguistics got to start in the West. Once they discovered how, how you could really look at look at language and see what's going on. So the the idea that that, that there was a more advanced civilization, and that, of course, of course, according to the uh, the Vedic understanding, we're the this is Kali Yuga. This is the worst. It's not the best of times. It's, it's really very very bad. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, you know, the quality of human beings is deteriorating. And uh, this is advanced, right? If I had it all in my head, that would be primitive. <laughs> but now who knows anything, you know? One big pulse from some exploding star or something and it wipes out all electronics. We are going... <laughs> Anyway, that's another question. Yeah, go ahead. On on Sanskrit itself, would you? Um, I've heard it said that it is the oldest language. Would you agree with that, or is there? Uh, people say there are older ones. Okay. You know, even in the Sanskrit literature, they they, they recognize some other. But it's definitely well. The linguists think there's it was a a proto 
uh, Indo-European language of which we don't have any records of whatsoever and they infer it uh, uh, speculatively. If you see the etymologies, it goes back to this hypothetical proto-Indo-European language. They'll have a little asterisk on it because they have deduced it. There's no written record of it. I think it may be, and anyway, there may have been other things, but that's that's uh, uh, that's at least for the Indo-European languages. Of course, there's the Chinese language group. You know, there's other things going on too. So that I, that I don't know uh, uh, know much about. So what what when Prabhupada said a science of self-realization. If you want to do it, you can. Now, especially in this age, for our understanding, it's the because it's the worst age. Uh, uh, things have been made accessible to us, simplified to to to, to some extent. Uh, our own understanding is that that. Uh, that at the end of the last age, the the. Uh, Dwapura Yuga, Krishna King, uh, and uh, revealed many things when the Lord descends and taught the you know Bhagavad Gita and, and, uh, and the sages had uh, compiled the Upanishads and actually started to put them in writing. They knew what was coming. You know, at first, it's it's uh, uh, the the sage Veda Vyasa is is credited with putting things in writing. Uh, uh, because he knew that people's memories are going to become bad one way or another, so he committed them uh, to, to writing uh, and, and, and put them down, and, uh, recorded all the Vedas and, uh, and so on. What we have, this is what his, his preparation, uh, and then. Uh, 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 but the, the 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 present Krishna consciousness movement, you know, started in India, uh, it's, uh, it was understood that there also will be an avatar of the Lord in this age, but he will not come as God, but as a devotee, uh, and that's Lord Chaitanya, uh, uh, who, by the way, started out as an academic. Uh, where Lord Chaitanya. He 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 was born in 1486 in uh, in uh, in uh, uh, Navadvipa, now what's West Bengal, and it was at that time that he appeared. It was a big center of, of learning. One of Lord Chaitanya's closest uh, associates, and uh, was someone named uh, Vasudeva Sarvabhuma Bhattacharya. I found his books in the Penn Library. In Sanskrit, you know, because he was a logician. There was the big school. There was this Nava, new logic, Navanaya, and uh, you know he still studied today. Uh, so, so it was, it was, it was they, so they were they were quite pro- proficient. So he started off actually as a grammarian, a student of grammar. But but he uh, exhibited extraordinary uh, ecstasies as a devotee of Krishna. And, and uh, basically, uh, 
made the chanting of the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra as the potent member way of deliverance that people in this age are going to need a boost do something simple and so this mantra uh, uh, has you know Hare Krishna and Rama hey all you got to remember is three words <laughs> push comes to shove <laughs> and he was he was quite uh, he was quite just, some of his followers were born in Muslim families which was like a because they were under uh, uh, Muslim occupation at that time, yeah. and even some of his, anyway, that's a whole other story. But but that that's that's how uh, 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 we now have access uh, uh, to this, uh, and through Lord Chaitanya's uh, teaching, uh, there's a real way to understand Bhagavad Gita understand the, the Upanishads. Uh, uh, so, so Prabhupada, you know, had a... Had a uh, I, don't, I, I think, by the way, other things will also become manifest, but the main thing, that, that human life, the, the real mission of, a hum, of human life is self-realization. That in the human form of life, you can understand... As that teacher says, I'm not this body, I'm a spirit soul, I'm not the mind. And teacher, yeah, it's right here, I'm something divine, yeah. Yeah, there you go. That's our uniform. That was Prabhupada, you know, I'm not this body. People were like really struck by, even some act, one of the first academic books was called I'm Not This Body, because people thought that's so weird. Not the mind, which is even better news. Because <laughs> the mind actually, you know, when, when, we, when we shuffle off the mortal coil at the time of death, we only shuffle off one. Uh, uh, the mind stays with us, the subtle body. Manas, buddhi, ahankara, the three elements of the mind. And we take birth again, according to our mentality. Uh, uh, and our, our, our karma. Uh, real liberation means also liberation from the subtle body, uh, and that's what hu- human. Well, that's really the, the the human should be the real main human inter- inter- enterprise, and everything else we do, uh, it, it should be in the service of that, because that's really the the, the the highest good. And you, we would also find out. Uh, other things that go along with it. Uh, how how to how to uh, yeah I mean Prabhupada one of the things he did that people found very very strange was uh, introduce uh, cow protection, which is really you know wow that's the real Hindu superstition they worship cows, but they're revered but they're revered because the cow is your mother. Not the cow is gone. <laughs> the cow uh, and and the bull is your father. Uh, well, this is really prep, uh, primitive. Well, you know, uh, two years ago in the New York Times, I saw some uh, some professors at the University of Massachusetts plowing with oxen because they figured out. If you're going to have energy production and food production as local as possible, 
That's really the way to do it. Now, that'll really destroy a lot of financial empires if you do that. <laughs> but it, it's, it, 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 it's the, the way to live because the, the, the oxen is your force multiplier, so you can, one person can feed many, many more people. Uh, cow dung turns out to be, if you don't do any, feed the cow any uh, you know, things that are not its natural food. Cows and bulls, they, they, they uh, are very productive uh, in cow dung. Cow dung is an antiseptic. Even I had met one time uh, some old farmers in New England who, that's what they would do when they would get a cut, they'd put cow dung on it. Wouldn't get infected. And it has all kinds of other kinds of uh, properties. It's fuel also. You can burn it. In fact, when you, so you make sacrificial fires, you at least start with cow dung. You know, wow, there's energy and food production. So you, uh, people are, have been telling me that even if you don't milk the cows anymore, they're still worthwhile simply because of the cow dung. <coughs> uh, any, anyway, that's, that's, that's what Prabhupada wants us to do, a, a simple, more natural way of life with a certain amount of deindustrialization, as part of it, you could still have technology. You know, that's not technology in itself, but it has to be appropriate for this kind of way of living. Uh, uh, so you, uh, you, you, but you, you that, that's how you do try to make it as local uh, uh, as possible. And there's, there's cow protection practically forces you to do that. Uh, uh, and uh, if you, animal protein uh, is there uh, in, in, in milk. You don't have to hurt the cow to do it. Uh, uh, and uh, uh, Prabhupada says this, uh, somebody could probably check this out, that it's necessary for finer brain tissues for understanding spiritual subject matter. So maybe you can live without milk products and these kind of things. You can be a vegan uh, and you'll be healthier than most people. But if you really are on a spiritual path, then the appropriate amount of milk is very good for you. Mm -hmm. uh, because, because it will, will, will help you uh, in uh, many ways. Anyway, I, I don't. I have to keep track of the time, but uh, uh, so don't buy the modern myth. <laughs> it's been foisted on us by by, by <laughs> the r r rising world oligarchy, <laughs> as I would say. Have you noticed this? The oligarchs are all coming together in one <laughs> super state. You know that we don't want. We're not supposed to notice. <laughs> And that, you know, uh, very few people have almost all the world's wealth and it's being more and more concentrated. Yeah. Interesting, huh? Uh, but there's got to be an alternative <laughs> uh, to, to, to that kind of things. And maybe things will become more polarized and things will get worse before they get better. But there is the, the prediction, at least from our, our own sources, that there will be 
uh, within this Kali Yuga, uh, uh, 10,000 year golden age of spiritual life of Krishna consciousness. Uh, uh, and by the way, you don't have to be Hindu. If Christians just actually became really good Christians, if Jews became really good, you know, you would probably find that there would be a lot more. There's really only one religion. Uh, if, you, if, if, if you understand it what, 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 at, a, at its highest level. And people are in different levels on those different religions, and they should be encouraged to go forward. Whatever spiritual advancement you make in this life, next life you become a human being again and keep on going where you, uh, you, you start out. But they discovered, like for example, you know, St. Francis, now the Catholics do not believe that animals have souls. Only humans have souls, or our souls, as we would say. St. Francis preached to the birds. Not only St. Francis, St. Anthony did it to the fish, too. I mean, a lot of saintly people preaching to the animals. Why? Because they could see, somehow or other, you know, as a, many, many Catholic monastics, as a matter of austerity, they would stop eating meat. They, they would follow the basic principles of, 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 for developing and clarifying and concentrating and refining consciousness. And they would begin to recognize fellow, fellow creatures, fellow human beings, you might say, <laughs> uh, like that. Now, there are many uh, Christian saints who uh, levitated, or even Jesus walking on water. That's called Lagima City. It's a fairly minor yoga city where you become very light and you can do things like walk in water or levitate and all these things. Uh, and there, there are stories of saints, you know, that they, they would uh, start uh, talking about Jesus and be floating all of a sudden. <laughs> they, they occur. So the, if you follow the, the, the practices, whether you understand them or not, they are there. But it's not, they're not miracles. Or Srila Prabhupada said, miracle just means you don't know how it's done. <laughs> uh, there are other, other uh, rules of nature. The other thing is, uh, let me say one other last thing for knowledge that, 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 that we should develop, uh, is understanding the universe as a living being. Uh, uh, the, in the Vedas, the, the, there's a creator god, you know, uh, Brahma, who creates the universe. Uh, he, and sometimes... Uh, he's described as the soul of the universe. But Krishna is actually the super soul of the universe because there are many universes. So he's the soul of all the universes. But Brahma is the soul of this universe. That means the universe is his body. Like just like that's how he controls it the way. <laughs> and there are uh, 33, uh, uh, 333,000 devas. All those gods, you know, there's actually a lot of them. 33 crore, right? 330,000. 
330 million devas, different kinds of devas, little ones, big ones. I think, and they're all part of Brahma's body. They're supported. So I think of them as the nervous system of the universe. That's what it is. Uh, we are living inside this living being. The devas are the, uh, the, the, the nervous system, you know. Uh, we also have living beings, and we're a biome for all the gut bacteria and stuff like that. You know, so, being one inside of another is something that we already see. So we need a. We also need a science of uh, biocosmology or cosmobiology. And there have been some Western philosophers who have thought like that. Spinoza, what they call pantheism or panentheism, uh, everything is alive. That, that, that idea has also occurred to people. But this is uh, 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 another, uh, another uh, science that uh, ought to be uh, understood and, and developed. Uh, uh, a lot of the real universe, the way it is, we can't see. We just uh, don't have the, 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 the password <laughs> to, to look at that part of it. You know, we get we get to see a little bit of, of a slice of it, but as consciousness expands, as we get to know uh, the the source of everything, Janmadasiyataha in the Vedanta Sutra, uh, the Supreme Lord is that from which everything comes, that which being known, all else becomes known. This is. Uh, uh, and when you know these things, then you know yourself as Satchitananda. We are uh, the same spirit, uh, Sat without beginning and without end, Chit full of consciousness, awareness, and Ananda full of bliss. Uh, that, that's our own self. Uh, and right now we are to one degree or another unknown to ourselves. Looking for that sat, uh, and therefore, you know that's where the because because of that, that's where the instinct of self-preservation comes from. We take our spiritual under our sp- spiritual intuition about ourselves that I'm not supposed to die, and then we do everything in the world to keep the body going. This is a struggle you're going to lose. That's the problem. So we are sit, uh, sat, we are chit, and again we want to know, we want to want to understand. We try by our various means, uh, and anybody who who's a scholar or a scientist who's honest will tell you that mostly they don't they don't know anything. Uh, uh, it's frustrating. Yeah. When Faust makes his bargain with the devil, is because he studied everything and understands that he can't know anything, and maybe you know, the devil can teach him something. And Ananda, you know, again we look for bliss, uh, happiness, and it's elusive, uh, uh, and, and drugs and this and that and the other thing. 
because because it's 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 it's, it's, it's what we are, and we just don't know how to access it. Uh, and uh, so Prabhupada said that we should actually the world is full of problems. What we need are spiritual solutions to material problems because actually all our problems are really spiritual. And it's a science. There are people that know how to do it, that know how to teach it, and if you start to apply it, you'll start to see results right away. And if you follow on and take the next step and take the next step and take the next step, <coughs> everything will, will open up. And this Padyaksha Avagavami directly in front of your face, it's not a question of just faith. It's knowledge. It begins with faith, yeah. But so, you know, you, you want to learn chemistry, you go to sit in a lecture hall and somebody gets up and starts talking, you believe every word the guy says. Because that's faith. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so, so you have to have some confidence, some, some trust, and you start to do it, and then you apply it properly, you'll see for yourself. So it's, when Prabhupada uses terms like science of self-realization, he means it. And that's what they should be doing at MIT also. <laughs> okay, I'll stop there and uh, see if there are any questions or comments or whatever. Yeah. So what are some thoughts or advice for the beginners among us here within the community who, who would want to advance in their thought or, or their spiritual development and those who have maybe a spark of faith mm-hmm. who would like to take it further what would you suggest well I, I, would, I would suggest that you, you for myself what I know how to do I, I really think that the, the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra is very very potent and designed for us start chanting it you can do other things <laughs> Uh, and you, you can you can you can use Astanga Yoga to to put yourself in a good place and be able to sit still uh, if you've learned how to do that uh, and just start start by chanting uh, uh, and in the sixth yoga is described this idea of fixing the mind making it one pointed when it wanders you bring it back. You pay attention. The mind is... Uh, when, when Krishna explains yoga to, 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 to Arjuna in the Bhagavad Gita, he's, he says, you know, you should, you should fix the mind and keep it and wherever it wanders, bring it back. And Arjuna has an objection, you know, your mind is wild, it's difficult, it's like trying to control the wind, you know. It's like, and he says, no. He says, it can be done. Uh, and he says two things practice abhyasa is the Sanskrit word he uses and the root meaning of abhyasa is repetition practice and uh, vairagya detachment some, some disciplined detachment is there so I, and, and do, you know like, like the, the, we start. You know, we, we, we have our, our... Where did I put my beads? 
the job you've seen the job of these right yeah. so that, that's that's easy way to do it you can count you start at the beginning uh, and you take a vow one round a day say I'll go around once a day or two or whatever you can conveniently do and do it and, and try to do it like when the mind wanders you bring it back and at first it's in mechanical but then what, what, what you're what you're doing uh, uh, really is your that that mantra uh, three simple words Hare Krishna and Rama all names of God yeah Krishna uh, means all attractive most attractive person uh, Krishna means one uh, Rama means one who feels and who gives the highest bliss. Uh, uh, and uh, and uh, those are both masculine nouns. Uh, uh, hare can be either feminine, uh, hara, uh, there's Radha and Krishna, or it can also be hari, another uh, uh, one who takes away all inauspicious things. Uh, so the, you're addressing, and, and the, but they're all in the Sanskrit here in the vocative case. The endings when you say, oh, hey, you know, you, you're calling somebody, you use those endings. So it's addressed to somebody. You're addressing somebody. Uh, and so why you call this person? Because you're asking for a relationship. And when you show, when you try to pay attention, you're showing that there's, I have some interest in this relationship. I've heard it might be good, let me try it. <laughs> Even if it's just a preliminary interest. Let me try it. Uh, and things start to change when you do that. You chant in, in, in that way. Another way to chant, of course, do with it with a group of people. Uh, and that, that also helps uh, because uh, there's strength in group, with, with the group doing things together but also for just your solitary uh, uh, thing you, 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 you th- things start to change uh, and uh, so like myself when I started chanting Hare Krishna let me try it and see what happens no, no more faith than just enough to just enough to try it, uh, and, and I, I, I started chanting. And uh, and I, I, by the way, when I, when I encountered Krishna consciousness, I'd, I'd been a, in graduate religious studies in a university for I guess three years, or, uh, and trying to figure out, you know, what was like what did all religions have in common at what seemed to be their highest point. That was my effort at that time. Uh, and uh, I, I thought that the, the Buddha's noble truths uh, were there. Life is suffering, material life is suffering. The cause of the suffering is our desires, our cravings, our longings. You should extirpate those desires. Well, you know, try it. <laughs> and, and this was the 60s you know people were going nuts around me my friends and everything like that uh, you know so when I started chanting Hare Krishna I just got beads and I sat down and did it uh, uh, for a little bit 
I, I met uh, Krishna devotees and I thought they were out of their minds. But still, they they at least understood, you know, no meat-eating. Wow, that's, you know, that I know that's right. You know? So I just, let me try it and see what happens. Uh, and uh, 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 I, when I chanted, my material desires began to decrease. And in fact, it happened so fast, I freaked out. Because I wanted them to decrease, but maybe not just yet. <laughs> and the other, I didn't know what to do with myself. You know, what was I supposed to do? What was supposed to happen? And I said I wasn't quite sure about these Hare Krishna uh, uh, people. Uh, uh, there were definitely a lot. Anyway, so, but, but uh, and I, I stopped chanting. And then I felt awful. It was just like this big greasy cloud rolled it over on me, and I ah, I got the beans again, and I started. And then very carefully, I started to associate with the devotees. And I had already become a vegetarian. I had a friend from 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 uh, uh, who was a, uh, a vegetarian. It just seemed cleaner and neater. My wife and I just said, "Okay, we'll we'll start." doing that. So, I, you know, that, that was, was there. Uh, and I began to go to the devotees again, and uh, I, f- I find, actually, I think that uh, I got some a book that had just come out, Prabhupada's translation of the Isha Upanishad. Now, I had read that Upanishad in three different courses and studied it. Nobody had the faintest idea what it meant. Mm-hmm. And when I when when I read Prabhupada's commentary, I thought, oh my God, he understands it. You know, I didn't believe. I went back, and in this really simple English, you know, nothing like the kind of stuff you have to you know do in graduate school. <laughs> it was like, and so I, I began to get a little more faith and confidence, and I one step led to another. Anyway, this is what I decided to do. I didn't have to become a. Well, in those days, the only way you could actually have any spiritual association was basically to drop out of, completely drop out. I mean, I mean, the, the, the Hare Krishna movement's its first social location was in the 60s counterculture. And basically, most of the devotees were people who had dropped, dropped out of regular straight American culture into the counterculture and from there into Krishna consciousness you had to let go it was like a three step process I was weird because I was a graduate student and a lot of my friends were hippies but they didn't consider me one because I was doing this thing about going to graduate school so I was a little anomalous you know. but uh, that, that was that was uh, uh, what I, how I, I, I pursued this in, in this way, and, and so you just start and you and you take the things that are favorable, and then you'll see changes take place. If you're doing something and changes aren't take place, talk to me or somebody else, and we'll see you know <laughs> how to improve it, and and, and, uh, and then take the next step, and then the next step. And then, then all of a sudden, you know, things that you, you, you know, if you, you, if you, 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 you even, even, you know, when I, when I was a new devotee, you know, like, so we were a, a cult in those days. Um, 
I go out on the streets every day and chant with a whole group of devotees. Christians would come up to me and hand me pamphlets, and, you know, and basically saying I was following the devil and I was going to hell. Now, you know, part of my, you know, uh, part of my early Christian experience was exposure to, uh, you know, Texas uh, fundamentalist Christianity. <laughs> You know, and the only thing you're going to go to hell unless you accepted Jesus Christ in your heart as your personal Savior and all this other stuff. But I looked at the people around me who were doing it and I thought, well, you know. Anyway, uh, but I, but all this pamphlets I get all the time, I, this is the work of the devil. You know, it's people, you follow, other religions are created by the devil. Uh, I've been studying other religions, so, you know, I... Is this the work of the devil? You know? But, but, but uh, uh, I sat down. I finally decided, okay, I'm going to come to terms with it. I sat down and I reread the Gospels. And I, could, I have to say, for the first time, I understood them. I understood what Jesus was doing. I could understand why he was doing. I could understand how barely anybody understood what he was up to do. Up to doing, you know, it was like I had never, never had such clarity in my life. And so I was thinking, you know, I'm going to read the Gospels again, and if that's what I should do, I'll do it. You know, but it was a whole other experience. For me, <laughs> I have to say. Anyway, that's 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 how I suggest going about uh, uh, these things. It'll be different for everybody. But, but that, that, that's... Uh, uh, you you uh, take it on. And, uh, and if you're making spiritual progress, uh, the Lord in your heart, the super soul, the soul of the soul, who's in the Paramatma, will let you know the next step. You'll know what to do. And then you'll start to see a pattern to coincidence. <laughs> That's a little hairy, but <laughs> but uh, don't I and uh, that's just not my experience. That's, these are the kinds of things that happen. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Anything else? Yeah. Um, I actually I have a lot of questions. <laughs> I guess that just means I need to read your book. Is it still in print? Uh, is it? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> he doesn't actually own the rights to it. So <laughs> it's a little... Anyways, we have a few copies we can probably send over here. Okay. Uh, is, is there a digital copy? I'm probably... Not that I know of. Oh, yeah, okay. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it was published not by... It was published by... Anyway, I don't... Yeah. Um, I guess one question I have, though, is uh, do you think, like, your, your Western um, education you know, influenced you in, like, a positive way um, to help you come to conclusions in, like, your spiritual life? Well, that was just, that was just the kind of guy I am, you know, I, I, I needed to be educated. Uh, uh, my first education, I, you know, I thought I would go to school, you know, my parents wanted me to go to medical school, naturally, but, but uh, uh, I realized I got really interested in philosophy for some reason, and I, I studied, you know, modern uh, empirical uh, philosophy, uh, a logical positivism, uh, which were the currently fashionable philosophies at that time, linguistic analysis. Uh, and that philosophy department, this was at the University of Pennsylvania, religion was not even 
talked about. You know, it was like a superstition. And uh, but then what happened is at Temple University in Philadelphia, was one of the first departments of religious studies. There was a new thing happening, where they were going to do something called the academic study of religion. Uh, and uh, I had a friend that started to go there, and so you know, I I, uh, I, I spent a year at another graduate school thinking I'd do English literature, which I liked in some ways because you could talk about real problems. <laughs> but on the other hand, how would you get a hand on it? You're just an, an aesthetic appreciation, you know. I mean, I. Uh, and whatever interests me about literature was the spiritual or religious element in it anyway. So then I heard about these religion departments. And it was a, the one at Temple University was experimental in a way because the person who started that religion department wanted the faculty to not only be practitioners in some, uh, some religion, but also intellectually qualified as scholars. So this I can go look at, you know, religions in general, and that that. So I went to that that thing, you know, and uh, you know, and I was in my third year of uh, graduate religious studies when I when I ran into devotees. I took a lot of Hindu. You know, who taught the Hinduism course? Actually, it was a guy named Swami Nikalananda. He was the head of the Ram Krishna Mission in New York City. And he had translated the Upanishads and all these things, and uh, and so he was a scholar, you know, scholar. But but he really taught us, you know, the Hinduism was the Ram Krishna mission version of of Hinduism, uh, 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 which uh, is not real anyway. <laughs> but that 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 was the guy that 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 taught it, you know, and and in New York City. When Prabhupada started, he was thought of, of the, the, as the downtown Swami, because he was in the Lower East Side, at, uh, uh, you know, uh, and the part of it. But the uptown Swami was Swami Nikolananda. He was up in the upper, you know, the uh, East Eighties, <laughs> and all his uh, his followers are kind of wealthy people, and and Swami Nikolananda himself. He dressed like a 1930s English barrister. He had a pinstripe three-piece suit. And he even had a watch chain. <laughs> and uh, and uh, so that was, his, that was, that was my, my... But I got more interested in that than, than, than anything else. And I had took all these Hinduism courses. And... and uh, uh, so, but that I, I'm that kind of a person, as it turns out. You know, not everybody is going to be so interested in academics, but and because there was some sincerity. I mean, there were coincidences. You know, I'll tell you one coincidence. Uh, uh, so, I had taken Swami Nikolananda's first course in, 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 in Hinduism. Uh, and then uh, I went to the summer, I, I, I went, went to uh, Salem, Oregon. My wife is, is still this, my wife, but she was from Salem, Oregon. And uh, we had, uh, we had uh, two children, and they uh, wanted to see grandparents once. So we go to Oregon. To, to, or at that time, we only had one child. 
we have one child. And, and so we go to Oregon. Uh, uh, and uh, I have to get a summer job. So I get, I get work in a tin can factory. Because big harvest is around there, and they did a lot of canning. And so there was this factory that made tin cans. And I worked on the, uh, uh, at the end of the line, the, the box, the cans came off, they had to be put on a pallet and stacked up for shipping. And so I was working on this palletizer. It was a dangerous job in its way, uh, and, uh, but it paid well. Uh, but I was trying to apply karma yoga, <laughs> that is, <laughs> as the way Swami Nikolananda had taught it. Now, uh, the way we understand it is you give the fruits of your work to Krishna. The way, because, because, because that, that version of Advaita Vedanta is not theistic. You sort of, he's explained it as you work for the work's sake, you merge into your work, you become one with the work, you just work for its own sake and don't think about the results. So I explained to my wife I was doing this stuff and she had me a vision of my falling into the machinery. <laughs> so I tried, I tried to do it, you know. Uh, that was some sincerity. So anyway, at the end of the summer, we have a little money. We go up to Portland where they had this brand new import house. And, I, and I, uh, while I'm there to spend a little bit of money, I, 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 I see... Uh, this box, and it has these little figurines, little wooden figures uh, from India. And some are white, and some are black, and some are yellow. They're juggernaut bees. I had no idea what they were, or what they represented, or anything like that. But I got so, wow, these are really interesting. You know the juggernaut bees? you familiar with them? They're, they're images of Krishna Balaram, his first expansion, and his, his brother, and Subhadra, his sister, his, one of his internal energies, that are worshipped at Jagannath Puri in Orissa. And Lord Chaitanya spent most of his life there, uh, half of his life, worshipping those deities. These are, I didn't know what they were. But I, I, I only had, I looked at the price tag on the bottom, and I only had money for one, so I got the white one, for some reason, brought it home, put it on my wall. It was there for a couple of years. When I'm starting to go to the Hare Krishna temple, uh, looking for some sign or signal or something, what I should do, uh, and they just had a, a, a painting on their altar, a picture of Lord Chaitanya and his associates. I go there one day and there's a plank over that picture, it was in a bay window, and they, they had uh, put a shelf over the picture, and there were these the two figures, the white one and the black one. They were there in that Hare Krishna temple. I had no idea they had anything to do with Hare Krishna, right? But that Jagannath, Jagannath means Krishna, Lord of the universe. Uh, and, the, the, and the black one, they didn't have a yellow one, the, the black one it was there, and the white one. And then it was the same one I had over my desk. I freaked out. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. You know? That's the kind of thing that started to happen. You know? A sign was there. So I, I, I went to the devotee after the temple president. We sat down eating, eating the, the Sunday feast. 
And I asked who they were, and he explained to me, yeah, the, the black, he said they're a little stylized, but actually the black one is Krishna. Uh, Lord Jagannath means Lord of the Universe, that's Krishna. And, and the white one is uh, Balaram, his, uh, was his, appeared with him as his brother, but really his first expansion. Balaram, one who, who has full of uh, spiritual strength and pleasure. And then I said, well, I don't know what to do about this. I said, but, but I have him at home. I was afraid he was going to say, you can't have him. Because they were always on your case, you know. You, 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 you sat with your feet not, you know, spread out in front of the deities. You looked in the kitchen. You blew out a candle with your mouth. Somebody comes, the mouth is the dirtiest part of your body. You know, you don't, shouldn't, don't you? you that was the mood, you know. It was like... I almost became a devotee in spite of the devotee. <laughs> anyway, anyway, so I was, I was thinking, afraid he was going to say, you can't have it. But to his credit, he said, I said, what will I do? He said, worship him. Oh, okay, great. You know? And so I go home, and I, and I pick him up, and I dust him off. And he's okay. But I look at him, uh, and I can see that, that the, the little dots of black paint that made his eyes, they had disappeared, they had flat, flaked off. And I knew at once why it had happened. He had closed his eyes because he didn't want to see all my sinful activities. <laughs> Absolutely sure. So I got a little magic marker. <laughs> I opened them back up again, moved them to a different room, put a little cloth beneath them, and I would chant in front of him. Yeah. This nice lady who lived next door, was a, a, a black lady, my wife was helping her negotiate the bureaucracy of the, uh, of the city. Uh, she came over one day and she saw that and she asked, and, and she saw that I was chanting in front of her. She asked my wife about it, and she says, Oh, he had a religion. That's he's so good, he found a religion. Says about me. <laughs> and then she says, I have something for him. So when I, I came home, this, she tells me this story, when I came home, because in front of the deity is a prayer rug, you know, Muslim prayer rug. <laughs> That, that, that her son had made a pilgrimage to Mecca. He was a black Muslim in those days. Pilgrimage to Mecca and given it to her. Well, she didn't have any use for it, but she gave it to me. So I had a rug sit down. One thing, like here out of the living room, as soon as I put that rug down and sat on it, it was a different place. So that's one thing you can do if you don't have a prayer room or a special place. Put a rug down that you use only for chanting. Don't change things. So anyway, those are the kind of things that started to happen. <laughs> you know, the, 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 at least with me, that's what, that's what happened. Uh, and uh, that's how I ended up today. I, I just became... Uh, and so far, it's been for me a process of continuing uh, enlightenment. Uh, you could call it revelation, but any knowledge is revelation. But you know, it's, it's not some special thing. It's... it's, it's there for anybody who starts to clarify uh, their consciousness and becomes acceptable to things that before were just blotted out. Uh, our awareness increases.
It's science. Okay. Anything else? Yeah. Question. Yeah. I also have many questions, like math. But um, how many religions did you study in school, and what was the the thread that you found um, all of them? Uh, I, I, well, I had some survey courses where you looked at everything, uh, you know. Uh, my, my real major was philosophy of religion. There was such an area of study like that, was, was, was uh, theology and philosophy of religion. So I always sort of look at them. You know, I'm not like an ethnographer and goes around and uh, does uh, anthropology kind of stuff. So I was interested in, 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 in their works. And there was a thing that said to me the highest, you know, what, what's there. And, and, and you, you look at, to, to me, what looked like, in Judaism, there's a whole level of ritual, uh, ordinary things, but there's the people who study the Kabbalah, and the, you know, and, and Jewish mysticism. Uh, and that, to me, you know, seemed like, you know, I could understand that. I could see the parallels between that. Because people just made discoveries when they become very, very serious. And, uh, and, and, and so that was there. I, I, I uh, courses in Christianity, uh, of course. I mean, other things were going on then, too, by, by the way. The, the Second Vatican Council was there. And, and when I, I, I was one of the, in the entry class of graduate students the year I, I, I started studying in religion, there was only one other guy who had come to religious studies up from undergraduate work, and who was my age, actually. Almost everybody else was a nun, priest, or minister who was dropping out of their organized religion into the study of religion, you know. <laughs> it's like really for I always thought I watched the Catholic Church fall apart. <laughs> it was really, that was another thing going on there. I mean people were really bailing out. One of my teachers was a philosopher of religion named Carl he was one of the death of God theologians in Time magazine. Van Buren was his name, local name, by the way. Uh, 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 yeah, he, he he had read a book called The Secular Meaning of the Gospels. They were trying to get it away. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, I, that's what that's what I, I was doing. Uh, that, that that sort of uh, that that sort of thing that people would call mysticism, uh, where people would seek for spiritual experience, and uh, and you know you, you 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 can take a book like. Uh, was translated the way of a pilgrim uh, with a constant chanting of the Jesus prayer uh, into the Russian tradition really based on Greek Orthodox monks on Mount Athos I can recognize it right away they even did yoga postures Uh, you could could sort of see that thread but but what I encountered to me uh, at the time that I saw that was, and I knew people who were into like you know very active uh, uh, Jewish mysticism and that uh, uh, form, studying Christian mysticism. But but uh, it was when I I, I read uh, Prabhupada's books, uh, first his Ishopanishad, and then his Bhagavad Gita, uh, and. Uh, 
and uh, uh, so yeah, it was that that that's the, that's anyway. This the signs were there, but that that's 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 what I, I discovered. You know, that, that to me the comment. I mean, they, one of the things that happened when at least Prabhupada's into Krishna consciousness, he said the same thing that there's only one religion. And he never said to anybody, you have to stop being a Christian, you have to stop being... Just be a better one. And chant the names of God. I don't know, the Jesus prayers I hear it always sounds a little hard to chant, but if it's really just Kyrie eleison Christe eleison, Kyrie eleison Christe eleison, now you can chant that. <laughs> that seems to make sense, you know. <laughs> Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy. It's the beginning of the Mass. Is the, that's Greek. The rest of the Latin Mass, that's where it starts. Hmm? Uh, thank you for coming. I apologize I had to go in and out, but I had this meeting I had to go to. But I want to ask a question. When you met your guru, uh, did you meet many gurus at that time? And did you like dif- uh, discern no. of this person's? Or did you meet one guru, your guru, and said, this is... How did that work in your um, life? I, I, um, and was it a personal meeting that? Yeah, I mean, I met people who were who. Well, I, I, I did. I mean, Swami Nikalananda was a guru. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, um, then uh, there was a lot of. Uh, there were some priests who were actually in, in the religion department who were actually. You know, serious practicing Catholics. They weren't all like, you know, doing doing other things. Um, uh, then uh, who who else did? I, well, there were some 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 people who were real followers of Gershom Sholem. You know, of, of a kind of uh, Jewish mysticism. Uh, 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 and I was half Jewish, but but anyway, <laughs> somehow didn't 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 get into that. Uh, and uh, I think that's I don't think I, I remember meeting anybody else uh, <laughs> might be a first <laughs> you know the, the hamsa the, as in parama hamsa swan they call it it's a, it's, a, it's a goose. It's the bar-headed goose. It's just you can't say, you know, topmost goose-like devotee. <laughs> so they, they always use swan. But it's not the English swan. That, uh, it's a goose. It flies over the Himalayas. Nobody, it migrates back and forth seasonally between India and Tibet. And it flies over the Himalayas. Doesn't go around them. As far I mean, they're studying it like crazy. You know? <laughs> How does it manage? It's up there with jets, you know, forty thousand feet, you know, thirty-five thousand feet. <laughs> and these sages sitting there meditating in the Himalayas. <laughs> you can see what. Yeah. So that that was uh, you know, and of course I had different spiritual people I said to be spiritual when I was a kid it didn't impress me so much. 
Yeah, so uh, 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 then our, 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 our chairman, uh, this guy named uh, Phillips, was one, was one of these professional seekers who went to one to the other, to the other, to the other, to the other. And actually when I got involved with Krishna consciousness, he warned me, he says, they all have feet of clay. He was very bitter. He had spent his life as a seeker. He had this religion department, which he was going to like do, but he was very disappointed. He said they all have feet of clay. And as it turned out, Prabhupada didn't. <laughs> maybe I was lucky. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was interesting that you um, touched on Buddhism briefly, because for me that was um, reading that the Vaishnavas had predicted that Buddha was going to come to be, mm-hmm. and that Buddha is recognized as an avatar. Mm-hmm. Would you care to talk about that? Yeah, well, uh, the, 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 there's a kind of, the, the, the Christians have this word, well, there was a German, Heilige Schichte, salvation history. You know, that there's a history of God, uh, a, a sign of God working in history to bring about salvation. Heilsgeschichte, it's called, uh, yeah, they, they use the German word. Uh, and uh, and uh, so, so the understanding we have of Buddha is, is that, uh, that, uh, 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 Hinduism, what people call Hinduism, again that's not a Hindu, no, you know, the Vedic culture is called it, the followers of Vedas, fallen upon uh, bad days. Uh, uh, because the, the Vedic sacrifice involved animal killing. Uh, and uh, uh, and this was in a much earlier age, uh, we are told that those priests were so good they could bring the animal back to life, but involved animal killing. Uh, and, uh, and so it became an excuse for animal slaughter. And so because of the, the, the priesthood going down in quality and because of the huge amounts of uh, Sacrifices that were basically just excuses for, because you would eat the remnants of sacrifice. So it's you know, uh, it's kind of like a kosher rule, you know. So, uh, uh, so then, what happened is because of that, uh, Lord Buddha came and preached ahimsa. And that the animals should not be killed or, or, or slaughtered in any way. Uh, uh, and so in, in this way, and to do that he had to deny the authority of the Vedas, because there's all being done on this, these rituals that are prescribed in the Vedas. The, the sacrifice, and they just turned into you know, terrible events apparently. And and so so that was that was uh, uh, his purpose. He was a. He didn't come from the Brahminical uh, caste. He was a Kshatriya, he was a prince, Prince Siddhartha. Uh, and so, so he, 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 uh, by by doing that, 
uh, and spreading uh, uh, quite far and wide through India, and of course he went eventually to China and Japan. Um, he spread this uh, uh, ahimsa, and uh, uh, but uh, the the strict Buddhist teachings are really tough. You know, they're very, 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 very high. You know, the, the, there's the Hinayana and the Mahayana. And originally the Hinayana was there, and it's for monks. Really the only one who can really attain nirvana were monks. It's very, very strict. Well, the monks have that monasteries and there's donors and there's people that want to get some benefit and so, you know, then there was for lay people the, the Mahayana Buddhism was there and they began to worship Buddha rather than just follow Buddha as an exemplar and, uh, and, and uh, you know, go through kind of religion evolution. Uh, but that was the first effect of Buddhism was to really and so the next step was, was Shankaracharya. Again, recognizes, uh, in this case, an uh, avatar of Lord Shiva. Uh, uh, but he restored the authority of the Vedas. But also uh, teaching uh, that Brahman is uh, uh, impersonal uh, by neti neti. And there are Upanishads like that and that Brahman is not a person, and cognitively no different than Shunya, than void. Almost the same idea. And there's an experience like that. If you're just engaged in the negation of the mundane, have no, don't want to carry over any of your material ideas into transcendence, you can encounter that sense of oneness and wholeness with everything, and you can encounter the divine as as uh, as without name, form, qualities, or attributes like that. It's an experience. People have that kind of experience of the of the divine. That's one aspect, uh, and that's what's encountered by people who follow this kind of neti neti, not this, not that, not this, not that. Also, really for strict monastic people. Uh, uh, this, this, is, this, is what's, uh, this is what's done. Uh, uh, and so uh, Shankaracharya uh, based all this on the Upanishads, a certain way of reading the, the Upanishads. Uh, and uh, and uh, uh, so th that was restored the authority of the Vedic literature in India. Uh, and then, uh, after that, uh, from our point of view, there were, there were these teachers who, again, based on the same Upanishads and the same Vedas, uh, taught theism. These are the Vaishnava Acharyas, uh, Madhvacharya, Ramanujacharya, Nimbarka, Vishnu Swami, the four big Acharyas. And then there was, again, Vaishnava temples, uh, uh, yeah. And then, then, as far as uh, our authorities are concerned in the tradition I'm following, that what Lord Caitanya was teaching, 
his Vedanta teaching of Achincha Beda Abeda Atattva. Because uh, Vedanta is concerned with the relationship between God and the world. Uh, materialism is only the world. Uh, 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 Shankaracharya really is what he's saying is that there's only Brahman. Uh, and that the world comes from Brahman is really only a way of talking. There is no world. If you're strictly speaking, that's what he's teaching. There's only one thing, and that's Brahman. And Brahman has no emanations or energies or anything like that. Uh, uh, I found out that you know people like Swami Nikolananda, when they teach Advaita uh, Vedanta, they teach an impersonal Brahman emanating a world, which isn't what Shankara actually teaches. <laughs> it's, it's, it, it, it's dumbed down a bit for, or compromised a bit. Because if there's God in the world, then there's two things, but there's only one thing. And that one thing is near Vishesha, without any specific characteristics in any way. So, so, so the, 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 the Vaishnava Acharyas, uh, uh, preaching in various ways that Brahman is ultimately a person. What it says is in the Bhagavatam, uh, this Brahman is encountered in three ways. Brahmati as the impersonal Brahman, as Paramatma, this is the yoga school where the, this, uh, the soul of the soul, super soul, Paramatma, is encountered three ways. All, all are valid in canon. Brahmati, Paramatmiti and Bhagavan, the supreme personality of, of God, who has his own realm and his own personal activities uh, for enjoying and increasing bliss. And the, the philosophies of the Vaishnava uh, is, well, as Prabhupada puts it this way, uh, there's nothing is different from Krishna, yet Krishna is different from everything. So it kind of... <laughs> I, what I did as, as I found these statements, Prabhupada, he didn't single them out anywhere, but I pulled them out and made them koans, right? Nothing is different from Krishna, yet Krishna is different from everything. Or another locution, there's nothing but Sri Krishna, yet nothing is Sri Krishna save and except his own primordial personality. It's, you know, it's, <laughs> you cannot think of God in the world as one, and you cannot think of them as two. So this world, as we see, is, is one form of Krishna. Everything is divine. So anyways, we sort of see this as a, as a synthesis of, of all these. So that, that's the salvation history leading up to the restoration of, uh, of uh, what is said to be the, you know, the final meaning of the Vedas. Because Krishna appears uh, as, uh, as the Lord. When the, when the Lord is Vishnu, you can see his power, his majesty, his might. This Krishna is the same God. Uh, but he is, in, in Krishna, his beauty overpowers his majesty. The majestic Krishna is urban. The sweet Krishna, the lovable Krishna, the one whose beauty 
is, is ruled, as he's in Vrindavan. Yeah. And therefore, therefore, there's no, no formalities. And although he's God, the gopis and his friends, they don't care that he's God. He's their friend. They, they, he has a, you know, if you're God, if everybody goes around all the time and all in reverence, it's boring. You know, you want to have some <laughs> reciprocation. So he, there's some people that love him unconditionally, but they want, they want to know him as a friend, as a, 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 a lover, as their child. So Krishna facilitates all these different relationships. Uh, so there's not a lot of you know spectacular sound effects and all that stuff uh, for for Krishna, but but actually it's it, 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 it's higher, and that's and that's so hard to get to and so esoteric that he then comes in the Kali Yuga as Lord Chaitanya. Krishna comes as his own devotee. He is Krishna, but he's a devotee because Krishna says, you know, I'm feeling all this bliss, but actually. My devotee, Srimata Radharani, my, my favorite devotee, she feels more bliss than I do. And he's also wanting... I'd like to taste it for myself, but I, I can't. I'm the, I'm the object of her love, and I, I, I can't feel it. And uh, the, uh, another motive is, what is it about me anyway that inspires such feelings in her? I wonder what I, I look like to her, you know? And I'd like to taste it for myself and see what it's like. So therefore, he's, he, he's Krishna, but he's coming in, in the, with the, all the feelings of, of Radharani. That's, that's, that's Lord Chaitanya. And also, most munificent, giving this to anybody and everybody, even people who are entirely unqualified by any kinds of standards, like me, for example. You know? Yeah. You bring up another thought. I, I, I grapple with the concept of omnipotence. Mm-hmm. Because in my simple understanding of it, it would mean a being of such superiority that is not deficient in any manner, not, not yeah. requiring and not, not having a need. Yet when you describe Krishna's mm-hmm. incarnations, I sense a need to feel which seems counter to... Well, there's a question of how you understand bliss and feeling. Krishna's bliss is ever-increasing. He's not static. The idea of a God who's just a stasis... No, Krishna's ever-increasing. I was once once in in, in, uh, in a, a place in West Virginia when Prabhupada was there, and he's looking at this deities of Radha and Krishna. And while he's looking at him, he's, he says that that Radha looks at Krishna, and she sees how beautiful Krishna is. See, I mean, Radharani is also Krishna in another form. There's nothing but Krishna, but she's his internal pleasure potency who then takes a, 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 her own form. So he, she looks at Krishna. She sees how beautiful Krishna is. And when she sees how beautiful Krishna is, her happiness increases. And because her happiness increases, her joy increases, her own beauty increases. See, because these are, ex- she's in a spiritual body, you know, 
I mean, I can feel really good, but I only look so good on the outside. <laughs> because there's one difference between my mind and my body, and you know, and the soul and the body. But here, there's spiritual bodies, spiritual mind. So when her happiness increases, she becomes more beautiful. And when Krishna looks at Radha and sees that she, her beauty is increases, his joy increases, and therefore he becomes even more beautiful. And then, therefore, Radha looks at Krishna's becoming even more beautiful, her, and so on it goes, and there's no upper limit. So this is a dynamic ideas there, not just stasis of the idea of things that are just like static. And, you know, I don't know what else is in everything, but to me, I haven't found anything that is... is Far out is that? <laughs> not that not that other people in other traditions may experience some of this in, in, in other circumstances, but it doesn't seem to show up in their scriptures, or if there is, only a few people understand it. But here, with at least Lord Chaitanya, it's you know out there for those who want it. Okay, we should stop now, maybe, huh? I'll be around if we want to touch it, come up and talk some more. Ravinda Saru Puru Ki.